So we're continuing in our topical series, Harvest on Mission. This week we're looking at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And this passage, I think, is really answering this big question. What causes isolation and how do we fix it? Now, before we look at the passage, I do just want to kind of give you a roadmap and an overview of the series and, and, and the path we're going to be taking because we're not just walking straight through one book of the Bible. The whole series is really built around our vision statement. And it's the vision statement can be really be divided up into two parts. It says, we want to see all people walking together with God. That's part one, bearing fruit for his kingdom. Part one of this series is going to be looking at our relationships with God and our relationships with other people, which is loving God, which is loving people. And that main problem there in our relationships is isolation. And this passage is getting to that overview of what is the thing that creates isolation and breaks down relationships between people and between God. Part two of the series is going to look at the the second half of bearing fruit for his kingdom. And this is spiritual fruit. This is finding our eternal lasting purpose in following God. And then God's expectation of multiplication and, and for us to glorify him in that way as well. And part two is really dealing with the main problem that's counter to this, which is consumerism. Rather than being fruitful for God's glory and producing for God's glory in a way that's contributing and helping and loving, oftentimes we find ourselves just consuming. It's just what's good for me and selfish desires that are all oriented around myself. So that's kind of the roadmap and overview of the whole thing. But this first part, this first section is looking at walking together with God, which means loving God, loving people. And again, we'll have multiple uh, messages about in, in related to loving God, and we'll have multiple messages related to loving people. But this passage this week, trying to answer this question, what causes isolation and how do we fix it? There's two parts to that question, and I think there's two main parts to this passage. You've probably seen that as you've been reading it this week. So uh, the first section, verses one through three, this is the this is kind of answer that problem of what causes isolation. What is the thing that breaks down relationships, both with God and with one another? Paul says to the Ephesians, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So he's saying, guys, this is who you were. He's telling them, before what you are now, this is who you were. You walk this way in your trespasses. In other words, you were crossing lines that you shouldn't have crossed. You were sinning. That is the heart of the thing that creates isolation, sin, whether it's sin that's been committed at us or sin that we've committed at other people. And of course, our sins against God, those are what creates isolation. He says, you are following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. A lot of colorful language here to talk about. Just the, the, Hey guys, this is the way the whole world goes. And by the way, yeah, there is a king of this world, Satan. He's using this colorful language of calling him the power, prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now is at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived 
in the passions of our flesh. In other words, those were the things that were motivating us, driving us, what we want to do, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I mean, this is pretty heavy duty language. He's even saying that like, this is your nature. You were born this way. And that Paul doesn't describe it here in this passage, but let's fit this into the the, the big narrative of the redemptive history of what God's been doing in the world. Remember that he created everything perfect and good. That was where we were meant to be. We walked with God. We walked with one another. There was not this separation. But then mankind voluntarily chose to walk away from God, to trespass, to sin. And then that became our nature. And that's the second part of it. And then that becomes inherited. And it goes down from person to person to person. We inherit that and we become sinners just by birth. And then, of course, we all do our own sin. And we all, we on our own, commit these things and follow our own desires. And he's describing who we were before Jesus Christ. And so what causes isolation? The simple answer is sin. Sin is at the root of our isolation between ourselves and God and between our, and ourselves and other people. If with other people, it may be sin that we've committed. It may be sin that they've committed towards us. But sin is at the root of what pushes us farther and farther away. And we cannot be completely in relationship with God and with one another unless that's been dealt with and dealt with justly and dealt with finally and dealt with completely. And then the second part really gets to the second part of the question I asked. How do we fix it? Ephesians 2 verses 4, he says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, he says love twice. It can be a little, you know, kind of insulting and it can bother you a little bit to know that Man, the sin that I've committed, it is not anywhere near as bad as what other people have committed in history. And you might have read those first three verses just thinking, man, I'm not sure I'm as bad as what he's describing. I don't remember getting the memo about, you know, the memo from the, the prince of the power of the air, you know, Satan telling me what to do. And then I just like, yes, sir, and started following him. I mean, there's a part of us that's a little bothered by the fact that we start off in a hole. It's not neutral. We start off in a hole. But the other side of it, the good news of it, of it is equally as radical. It's equally as amazing. God loved us so much that he did not want us to stay in that place. And it goes on to says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. He means for us to be in relationship with one another and with him. By grace, you have been saved. And I don't want to get into it here, but I would love for you guys to just discuss together. What is grace? Like understanding that word, it is a huge word within our faith. He said, he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So far, 
all that we have done has been born into this place where we are in a hole needing rescue. And so far in verses four through six, we're seeing uh, God doing all the work. God is the one that has responded, but God, he has intervened into your life, but God, he has raised us up together with Christ to to be with him, to be seated with him in the heavenly places. Guys, as bad as it was before, it is good and much better into the future and what he's done. It's incredible. And so then in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Every other religion that I have studied tells you what you're supposed to do in order to be saved. And usually what happens is it's make sure you're doing all these things. Here's the checklist of the good things you need to do. And then here's the checklist of the things that you never, ever want to do. And if you do some of them, then we'll give you some projects to get back into the good place with God. Here he's saying that unlike that, this is a gift. You did not do anything. So how do we solve the problem? How do we fix it? You don't. God fixes it. You have been saved through faith. Remember Jesus' message at the beginning of Mark. He said, repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember that? So we have to just believe. When God says that these things that we've done are sin, we believe him. We say, you're right, God, that is sin. And then we repent. We say, okay, that is sin. I I admit it. And I want to start following you. And, And we believe the gospel that Jesus died on the cross on my behalf to make me righteous. God gives that gift to me. I don't earn that. In fact, the only things that I really do are described in verses one through three. I just have to understand that that's where I am so that I can believe. And then God gives me that that grace. You did not do it. Verses nine, it's not a result of works so that no one may boast. In other words, nobody gets to go to heaven and say, man, the reason I'm here is because of all the good things I did. I never was as awful as that other person I know or, you know, that neighbor or coworker. I never was as awful as Hitler or whatever, you, however person you want to describe yourself. What Jesus is saying, what Paul is saying, God is saying through Paul here is that nobody can boast about this. The gifts that God gives you, you did not earn, including and most importantly, your salvation. For we are his workmanship. He's the one who did it all, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And this is describing our life after the gift. He gives us this gift of salvation so that we can serve him, so that we can do the things that he's prepared for us to do. That idea of bearing fruit for his kingdom. But please remember that these good things you're doing, you're not paying off a loan. You're not indebted to him. And now you have to to pay off all that he's given. No, it's a gift. He gave you that. 
You are righteous. You are saved through faith. Through faith. And he's saying, Paul's saying here in verse 10, so that we can serve him. So that we can enjoy him and walk with him and do all those things that God has designed for us to do. And that really answers this question, how do I fix it? I can't fix it. But God, there is a but God moment in my life where I realize who I was and what he's giving to me. I just believe it. That's what I do. That's how I fix this problem of isolation, the cause of the isolation, which is sin. I just believe the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in your groups, I'd love for you guys to wrestle with that especially wrestle with this idea of grace. What is grace? And, and um, how are some common ways that maybe we misunderstand it, both in our culture, but also in our faith? You've got to really wrestle and understand grace, especially in the context of what he says here, that it is not something that you earned. It is something that was given to you. So I look forward to having these discussions with you, and I'm, I'm looking forward to how God uses Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 to impact us for his kingdom and for his glory.